Hope y'all are doing great today, and um, we get to finish up our Advent series today where we talk about uh, probably the most important thing that we can this time of year, and that is love. And uh, I think it's so essential that we take this Sunday, this Sunday morning, and focus in on that as well. I know that we're kind of out of sequence, love, joy, hope, and peace, and all that other thing, but don't worry about that too much. It's okay. And um, we are going to look at that today, and I, I think it's so essential because love is who we should be and what we should be about. Our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ uh, and for the transformation of the world. And when you think about what is a Christian, what does a disciple look like, what do they act like, love should be one of those defining characteristics that comes first to us. So we're going to talk about that today. And uh, probably like a really bad sermon would be go out and be more loving, right? That would be a really bad one. Y'all might like the shortness of it, but reality is, you know, go be more loving. You leave here, you go back to your normal life, your normal routine. You have jobs, mortgages, kids, and all those other things. And you say to yourself, well, I really just need to be more loving. And yet your heart doesn't change and you get frustrated. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how all that happens. And uh, it is a, a beautiful passage that we're going to look at today in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. If you got your Bibles, you could start finding your way there. If you got your phone and you want to pretend that you're reading your Bible while you check the scores, you're, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, but it'll be Luke 17, just a beautiful and wonderful passage that you will greatly enjoy. And what it focuses in on at the beginning of it is a question that some of the religious people of the day ask Jesus. Uh, there's Pharisees, and they ask a question that many people today are asking. And they come to him and he says, Jesus, Pharisees asked Jesus when, when God's kingdom was coming. He replied, God's kingdom isn't coming with signs that are easily noticed, nor will people say, look here, or that there it is. And so Jesus answers a question that the religious authorities, the Pharisees at the time, ask him basically a question of when is it going to end, or when is God going to bring about the finish or the final passage of, of time? And like I said, that's a question that many people ask today. Inevitably, when a series of tragic things happen in the news, I'll get a call or an email, and they'll, somebody will ask me, says, is this it? Is this going to end times? And, uh, or, you know, people will get curious about that. Uh, thankfully, we have passed, what was it, 2012? Wasn't that the year the Mayans predicted the world was going to end? Y'all remember any of that? Um, or, you know, there's inevitably somebody that says, such and such date, that's when the world's really going to end, and then that day comes and goes, and they say, well, what I really meant was, right? Um, or, you know, there's that whole series of books, the Left Behind series that people enjoyed reading, and I was talking with a friend of mine, I said, I don't know about you, buddy, but every time I get to a new church, I go to the library, I look for that series, and then when nobody's around, I throw it away. And, uh, and uh, he said, I said to him, I said, well, how, when you got to your church, how many how many copies of Left Behind did you have? He said, we had three rows of books that were all left behind. I said, how long did it take you to get rid of them? He said, about a week. So uh, if you've ever wondered what Methodist pastors do in their off time, we throw away and burn. No, can you just throw away <laughs> the Left Behind series? And uh, the reason, uh, we'll go into that some other time about why I hate it, but uh, this is exactly what the Pharisees are looking for. They're saying, well, how's it all going to work out? How's it all going to play out? And you could give them credit. You could say, you know, they, they want to be able to help other people. But every time I read it, I think about, you know, like students that are trying to cram for their finals. 
Like they, they've ignored their studies up until the, the day before the test and, and suddenly they're cramming and they're trying to make it all right before uh, the test comes along or you know, when you unexpectedly get a call from somebody that says they're coming to your house and so you're shoving things under their sofa, hiding things, you know, doing all those things that, that you're trying to make up for. You know? And that's what I think about when I hear the Pharisees ask that question, when's it going to happen? That it's not so much that they want to have their lives changed, it's just that they want to be prepared in the final moments for when it does finally come about. And so uh, Jesus answered them. He says, you know, you're not going to get any signs. There's not going to be much warning, anything like that. It's all going to be very subtle. And then Jesus says something very profound. He says, don't you see God's kingdom is already among you? It's one of the most talked about passages in the Bible. Don't you see the kingdom of God is already among you? Other passages are the kingdom of God is, is within you. Other translations would say the kingdom of God is in your midst. Whatever you want to put toward it, uh, the intent that Jesus is saying is saying it's, it's right here, it's right now. It's not complete, it's not finished, but the kingdom of God is here and now. And you can look at that as Jesus saying, since I'm here, since I'm present in your life, the kingdom is present. Or you can look at it saying Jesus is here and he's triumphantly saying whatever God promised in terms of the Messiah or the bringing about of the kingdom of God, it's happening now. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, The time will come when you will long to see the one of the days of the human man, the human one, and you won't see it. People will say to you, Look there or look here. Don't leave or go chasing after them. The human one will appear on his day in the same way that the flash of lightning lights up the sky from one end to the other. However, first he must suffer many things and be rejected by his generations. And so Jesus, when he's asked the question of when is it going to end, when is the final moment, when's the final test, uh, when can we expect all that to happen? He says, well, it'll, it'll come very unexpectedly. He says it'll be like a flash of lightning, unpredictable. Right? And then the, the final line of that verse, verse 25, he says, however, first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And why does that matter so much? Well, Jesus is saying, part of who I am is that I have to go to the cross, I have to suffer, I have to be betrayed, I have to die. Anytime you hear a gospel or a message of Jesus Christ that doesn't involve his suffering death upon the cross, uh, you really should walk away and find another church, all right? Um, and so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying part of the coming, coming of the kingdom, part of the reality of who I am, part of who I am as a savior is that I had to suffer, that I had to die, that I had to go to the cross, okay? And um, when you think about um, this whole reality of the nativity, of the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Word being made flesh. Jesus is pointing out, He's saying, I have skin in the game. I have skin in the game. I am part of what's going on in the world. That I'm not just up here dictating or saying how things are going to be. In fact, I'm going to be there right by your side each and every moment. I know suffering. I know pain. I know the difficulties of this world. I know the problems that you're facing, and I'm right there with you. you know? And um, this should be a beautiful message for some of you this day. And so he goes, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be during the days of the human one. People were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, in the days of light, Lot, people were eating, drinking, and buying, and selling, and planting, and building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, uh, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. That's the way it will be on the day of the human one is revealed. On that day, those on the roof whose possessions are in a house 
shouldn't come down to grab them. Likewise, those in the field shouldn't turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to preserve their life will lose it, but whatever loses their life will preserve it. And so what is Jesus pointing out? He's saying when the return comes, when the kingdom of God comes, when the final judgment happens, uh, however you want to look at it, he's saying it will be an ordinary day. And you say, well, how could that be possible? Wouldn't there be signs? Wouldn't there be warnings? And uh, you just go back to some of the recent history that's happened in our country. The day before 9-11, there wasn't a single headline that said, terrorists will attack, right? No. And other passages, when Jesus describes that, he says, it'll come like a thief in the night. Nobody ever gets an email or a notice from a thief that says, hey, Wednesday, midnight, I'll be at your house, right? Doesn't happen. This is what Jesus is pointing out. He's saying, you won't know. It'll be like any other day. Don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. You will do what you normally do on that day, probably. You'll get up. You'll brush your teeth. You'll eat a donut. And then it'll happen. Right? And this is what Jesus is saying. He say, live each and every day as if it could be it. And he encourages his disciples, you know, what are you going to do with your heart and your life? Are you going to live and wait for just the precise moment when you get everything together, when everything's going to be right? Are you going to live each day as if this could be the time, this could be the moment when it all comes to an end? So he goes on. On that day, those on the roof, we read that part. He says a very important passage. says, whoever tries to preserve their life will lose it. But whoever, whoever loses their life for my sake will preserve it. And other passages uh, similar to this one says, those who try and save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And what is Jesus pointing out? He's saying, you know, there's, there's different ways to live your life. We all know that. There's different ways to live your life. There's one way of living our lives. Let's just call it the average American life in which we are always preparing, where we're always trying to build up to the next thing, Right? We're always trying to set ourselves up for the next purchase, for the next success, for the next achievement. We're always trying to live our lives in a way in which we gain more, we achieve more, we're able to do more, or that people have a higher estimation of who we are, or people like us more. We're always trying to set ourselves up for our own um, glorification. We're always trying to improve our lives in a way that people look at us and say, gosh, I just envy them, or I would like to be more like them. And then Jesus says, and then there's what God would like for us. And he says, if you, if you would like to come and be my disciple, if you want to come follow me, then you've got to be willing to just let go of all that. Be willing to set all that aside. In fact, he says, he says it's, not going to be, it's going to be like death. You're going to have to just let go of something that you think is so important, so crucial, so uh, essential to your life, and let that go because of the life that I could give you. And I don't know about you, but that verse just about haunts me each and every day. You know, if I wake up and I ask the simple question of what is it that I'm trying to achieve? What is it I'm trying to gain on my own? Or am I willing to let all that go in order to follow Christ? And this is what Jesus points out in this particular passage. He's saying, you know, all those things that we chase after. Remember what he talked about in terms of Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, that day there were people that were planning and, and growing and that were giving and living and, and drinking and being merry, that were taking selfies, that were doing all kinds of things, right? And then unexpectedly it all came to an end. So, but there, there's a way that you could live your life where you're ready for anything that happens. He says, just, just let it all go. Pick up your cross and follow me. 
I tell you, on, this, on the night two people will be in the same bed, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken, the other left. And the disciples asked, when, where, Lord? Jesus said, the vultures gather wherever there's a dead body. I, I, that's probably a verse that y'all have in your kitchen, right? Uh, the vultures <laughs> gather wherever there's a dead body, right? But what is Jesus pointing out? He's saying, you know, it's going to be pretty evident. It's going to be very clear how things are playing out in the world today. So how do we get from Rick said he was going to talk to us about love to Rick just mentioned something about bodies and vultures, right? How do we bring those two things together? And what I want to point out to you is just a couple of things. First and foremost, that when Jesus talks about the future, he, he said what? He said that the kingdom is already here. He's saying that in the translation, he's saying it's accessible, that it's, it's right here, it's right now. That there are many people today that look at our world and they say that things couldn't get much worse and things are only going to get far worse than they are right now. But what is Jesus' perspective? He's saying, no, no, the kingdom of God is here now, that it's accessible to us. We can take hold of it. We can make use of it to see our world change in a mighty and powerful way. I don't know about you and what you've seen lately, but the last couple of movies that I watched, um, both of them had the same kind of perspective on the world that you see so often today. Both of those movies had the opening commentary, and they said, well, because of global warming, overpopulation, things are only going to get worse. And then, of course, the hero of the movie is able to somehow save it all, right? But over and over again, you, you will hear that in the news. But there's really not much that can be done. And since, even though science is great and fantastic, yet it hasn't changed the world's direction in a significant way, many people have lost hope. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, no, no, the kingdom of God is here, and that if you are willing to surrender your life, pick up your cross, and follow me, then the world can still be saved, can still be transformed. I mean, you just think about that from a, a smaller perspective of what would your family, what would your neighborhood, what would your workplace look like if everybody there was filled with the love of Jesus Christ? If they did the things that the Sermon on the Mount calls us to do. I mean, can you imagine if all of your coworkers settled their little small fights by forgiving each other? What would that be like? Or how would things be different in your family if that one person that is bitter and angry because they do the dishes every stinking night, if one of them, their family members, would just simply be willing to go the extra mile, scrape their plate. I'm not talking about my house. All right. I mean, if they would just fulfill the Sermon on the Mount because they, they trust in what Jesus Christ had called them to do. If they would say, you know, the way things that we're trying to do things in this world, the way that we have been trained and taught is not working. Why not surrender to what Jesus Christ has called us to do and, and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden? Why don't we just take that on and, and fulfill that mission? If we looked at our world and we said, you know, Killing each other, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth has not worked. Maybe we follow Jesus and we turn the other cheek. I mean, can you imagine what an amazing world that would be? 
it's easy for me to, to look at and to see because that's how Jesus lived his life. He, he was the one that came from heaven, had all power and authority, and meekly and humbly came and suffered and died on a cross for us and our salvation. He could have called down an entire army of angels to destroy and do all kinds of things, and yet he said, no, love is the way that our world can be changed. Love is the way that these people can be brought back to God. Love is the way that we can expect and imagine and see the kingdom of God working its way through our lives and transforming each and every heart that exists. So today, I just invite you to remember what Jesus has called us to, you know, to live our lives in a way that expects that this could be the day, this could be the moment that I breathe my final breath, this could be the day, this could be the moment in which Jesus returns and we all stand in judgment before him. Leo Tolstoy, the great writer, uh, had a beautiful book about the kingdom of God. And in the book, he said, you know, there's two things that, that you and I can be assured of. First off is that we're going to die. The other is that most of the work that you and I do is not going to last very long. I know that sounds so grim, doesn't it? That we're all going to die, and that the work that we do in this world is really just not going to last that long. We'll be lucky if our grandkids' children remember who we are, right? But he says, there's a different way to live. He was a Christian. He said, there's a different way to live. You can go to work tomorrow or whenever it is you're off a of vacation. You go back to work. You could go back to your family. You could go back to your friends. And you could live your life in the way that Jesus Christ called you to. To exemplify his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his mercy in a mighty and a powerful way. You could, you could do those things. And rather than accept the titles that other people give you of, of being a lawyer or a doctor or a surgeon or a, a janitor or a salesperson or, or whatever the case might be, you look at that and you say, but in this moment, in this time, I have an opportunity to be exactly who God called me to be. In this moment, in this time, in the next minute, I have an opportunity to live the role that Jesus Christ called me to live. I can serve. I can be generous. I can make a difference because of this God who came into our world, who has skin in the game, who became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let us pray. Almighty and Heavenly Father, we humbly confess that we may become cynical or jaded or place our hopes or our security in things of this world. We recognize that even though they might bring us temporary pleasure, they, it doesn't last. So Lord, we turn our hearts over to you once more. We pray and ask that you would help each of us to surrender our lives to you. Help us, Lord, to confess that without you, we don't really have a life that's worth living. But in you, we find life that is abundant and full and everlasting. Lord, we confess, we believe, and we long for your return. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.